So our first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 through 7. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Our second scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." Title of our sermon this morning is All Things to All People. This afternoon, I'm going to see my Nona. On my birthday, my Nona always gives me the same great birthday advice. She says, remember, today is your special day. It's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. Make sure you tell Melissa, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> is that great advice or what? The, the advice is great, but the application needs serious work. I take Nona's advice to mean instead of having one piece of birthday cake, I can have three. Instead of watching one hour of sports, I can watch three or four hours of sports. I take this great advice as a license to overindulge. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, Paul was writing to a church that prided itself on its freedom and used its freedom as a license to overindulge. They even adopted the popular sayings of the time. 
You can read about their sayings in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. They're quoted as saying, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. I can eat as much as I want. They would say, the body is just a body. I can sleep with whoever I want. They used their freedom, their political freedom, their freedom in Christ as a license to overindulge in food, alcohol, greed, and sexual immorality. Much in the same way that, that we do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul responds to this very Corinthian, and I would even say this very American, I can do whatever I want type of attitude by joining in their chorus. He's saying, you're free, I'm free. I am a free man. I belong to no man. We're all free. However, what I do with my freedom as a Christian is way different than what you all do as Christians in your freedom. Though I am free, Paul writes in verse 19, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone. Could you imagine if on my birthday, Nona says, remember, you can do whatever you want. And I, I say to Nona, you know what I'm going to do with my freedom, Nona? I'm going to make myself a slave to everyone. Nona, today, in all days, I'm going to be your slave. I'll be a slave to my wife, to my children, to my neighbors, to my enemies, to my boss, to my dog, to my cat, to my plumber. I'm just going to be a slave to everyone because I can do whatever I want. It sounds odd. And that's kind of the way that I think about slavery, right? That's the start of the, the slave-master dynamic. The, the idea would be that the slave does everything that the master wants. The slave serves subserviently his master. You do what the master wants, you do what the master says. But I don't think that's what Paul is urging us to do as slaves to everyone. The reason I don't believe that this is actually Paul's message to the Christians in Corinth or the Christians in Fairfield Presbyterian Church is because Paul himself didn't do what everyone wanted. If you read in the book of Acts, you look at what everyone wanted from Paul, Jews, Greeks, and Romans, and everyone wanted Paul to stop preaching Jesus, right? Be quiet about this man named Jesus. Stop telling us about this man named Jesus. And what did Paul do? He never stopped preaching Jesus. No matter what everyone wanted, he continued to preach Jesus. So what does Paul mean by becoming a slave to everyone? In Paul's day, when the Romans conquered people, they sold them to wealthy foreign families as slaves. As a slave in a Roman household, the slave learned the language, the schedule, the needs, and the wants of the family. The slave adjusted to the family. The family never adjusted to the slave. The slave made every effort to accommodate the family. The family didn't make any effort to accommodate the slave. The slave was the one 
who changed. The slave was the one who did things that the slave perhaps never had done in their past. The slave changed for the family. The slave was the one who spoke the family's language, accommodated their schedule, and met their needs. Paul made himself a slave to everyone means he became like everyone. Talk about a countercultural message. Our, our message today is be yourself, stand out. Paul's message to the Christians is become like a slave, and that means become like everyone. Why would Paul say such a thing? Why would Paul do such a thing? What was his purpose? What was Paul attempting to achieve? Paul says, I make myself a slave to everyone to win. To win as many as possible. The Apostle Paul was in the business of winning. The Apostle Paul was in the old-fashioned business of winning souls for Christ. Paul's strategy was intended to bring Paul to victory. He wanted to win. And so what Paul is giving us is a strategy for winning souls for Christ. FPC, you want to be in the business of winning souls? Become like Paul. Become like everyone. In our five-verse passage, the word win appears five times. We know what it's about. It's a passage about winning. Starting in verse 20, Paul says, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people. So by all possible means, I might save some. Paul is saying, Christ won and saved me. My life is about winning and saving others for Christ. I want to see souls won, people saved by Christ. And here's Paul's winning strategy for us as a church. To adjust, accommodate, flex, and change to win people for Christ. Do you know, that, and this is in the Bible, when Paul was with Jews, that he actually shaved his head so that he could preach in their synagogue. He shaved his head so that he would be able to share Jesus with the Jews. They had all sorts of Sabbath regulations, feasts, holidays, purification rituals. Paul submitted to every single one of those rules and, and regulations so that he would have the opportunity to share Jesus with Jews. When Paul would hang out with Gentiles, those not having the law, and the Gentiles would, wouldn't wash their hands before eating, which doesn't sound very appetizing to me, Paul wouldn't wash his hands. He would just dig in and he would start eating. He never once said, where are the purification jars? We need to wash our hands before we get eating. He was being all things to all people. When he was with Jews, he would become as Jewish as necessary. When he was with Gentiles, he would become as Gentile as necessary. For Paul, it was all about becoming like them to win them. 
I'll do whatever it takes for people outside of the scope of faith to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'll accommodate them. I'll adjust to them. I'll honor them. I'll get to know them. If only I'll have the opportunity to win them for Christ. I want to share two quick things about winning people for Christ and doing all things, becoming all things for all people to win them for Christ. First, you just need to note what this isn't. Paul is not saying for a minute that he becomes immoral to win immoral people. Sinning is never winning. You're not winning if you're sinning. When we engage in sin with the world, when we give in to darkness, we lose the light that Christ is calling us to carry into the darkness. If you want to have a testimony amongst those who do not know Jesus Christ, then we need to walk in love and walk in holiness. Sinning is not winning. Second, being all things to all people doesn't mean changing our message. The message stays the same. The message is that Christ has come. Christ died to forgive us. Christ rose on the third day to save us and to give us life with God now and forever. The message doesn't change. Now, the presentation of the message does change depending upon who you are with. And you're going to tell me, Greg, that's not biblical. It is biblical. How many gospels do we have? Somebody talk to me, please. All right, good. You're with me. Thank you, Sarah. Four. And people say, all the gospels aren't exactly the same. The Bible must contradict itself. I can't believe in anything. Where are the dinosaurs in Genesis? We throw the whole thing out. Why are all four gospels different? Come on. All four gospel writers were, were presenting the gospel to different groups of people. You know this. Matthew wants to meet the Jews with Jesus, their Messiah. And so Matthew presents how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. That's why there's so many Old Testament scriptures. The presentation changes, but the message stays the same. When you read John, perhaps you get a bit confused. Why is it so confusing? Because John was winning those Greek philosophers for Christ. John chapter 1, he talks about in the beginning was the Word. What does that mean? Well, all the Greek philosophers knew exactly what that meant. And so he wanted to capture them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I'm presenting the gospel to the Boy Scouts, we're doing it in the woods with blindfolds on. When I'm presenting the gospel to a group perhaps who has known Jesus their entire lives and perhaps they're an older group, I'm going to take out the tea and the scones and the needles and you can sew and we can talk about Jesus all day as you're doing something that you enjoy. All things to all people means presenting the message of Jesus Christ, but adjusting and flexing and accommodating and doing it in a way in which it can be received by the person God has placed in front of you. You have a mission. You have a mission. You have a God-given mission. So do I. We all do as a church. Let's not lose the mission. The mission is to be all things to all people so that we can win some for Christ. Paul says that when he wins some for Christ, that he shares in the blessings of the gospel. 
What does that mean to share in the blessing? He witnesses a transformed life. He witnesses a family that has been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. He witnesses a marriage that has been saved and healed and now points to the love of Father God. He shares in the blessings. He sees people come alive in Christ. That's the end game of winning some for Christ. Lives changed, souls saved, communities transformed, winning for Christ. So what do we do? How do we do it? When Melissa and I lived in Pennsylvania, we had our first daughter and we needed to find a dentist office. And so my wife does all the research. She finds a dentist office that is quote unquote designed for children. It's a pediatrics dentist office. They also take adults. I'm thinking, the dentist is the dentist, right? You go in there, you get drilled, it's not pleasant. I take Violet to the dentist, a place that no one ever wants to go. When we walk into the waiting room, there was an indoor treehouse. It reminded me of Swiss Family Robinson. If that is too old of a reference for you, watch the movie, it's a great movie. There was an indoor treehouse for children in the dentist's office. Do you know what they had for tired adults? They had a machine that was filled with cappuccino, espresso, coffee, caffeine, sugar, and cream for tired parents. When we went down to the dentist's office, I thought to myself, to the actual office, I thought to myself, here we go. Now the rubber meets the road. Violet is gonna hate the dentist just as we all, just as some of us perhaps don't like attending the dentist. <laughs> Gotta be politically correct for our dentist. Thank you for what you do, dentist, we love you. It's good for us. When we went into the, into the actual office, each room was designed for heroes, superpower heroes, and for Sesame Street characters. My daughter's eyes lit up in the dentist office. After they put me in the dentist as an adult, they offered me champagne. I stuck with the cappuccino, but they offered me champagne after my cleaning. What were they doing? They were willing to do anything to accommodate, to win the business of children and of adults. And let me tell you, we loved going to the dentist. I will repeat that. The Penza family is thinking about returning to Pennsylvania once a year to return to the dentist. What would you be willing to set aside your preferences, habits, and traditions for? What would you be willing to do to, to change if it meant winning one person for Christ? Come on, that's the question. That's the question for the church this morning. What are we willing to change if it meant winning one person for Jesus Christ? What would we be willing to change if it meant winning one family? If one family across the street, I can see out the building. If that, if that house I can see, if that house came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, what would we be willing to change for them to come to know Jesus Christ? Our last church was in a neighborhood full of cigarette smokers. I don't know why. It was like it was the 90s. Everyone smoked cigarettes. And people would come to church and smoke cigarettes out front. Out front of the church, our 100-year-old building, they would stand right in front of the steps, the only entrance, and smoke cigarettes. I would walk through a cloud of smoke to come in and preach the word of God. After the services, I'd pick up the cigarette butts, which wasn't pleasant. I remember thinking, Lord, what do I do or say? How do I deal with this situation? I was thinking about getting big signs. You know what those signs were gonna say, right? No smoking, 
Instead, I settled for buying really big ashtrays. We put big ashtrays in front of the church so that people could smoke out in front of the church. That sounds sacrilegious, right? You can go and, and tell your friends how, how, what the pastor said and how wrong he was. I baptized three of those smokers. One of those smokers became a deacon in the church. We saw lives transformed by Jesus Christ because we were willing to put out ashtrays and make the place accommodating and comfortable for smokers. After having a relationship with some of the people for a few years, I'll never forget the day where my wife spoke to one of, the, one of our smokers about smoking. After a few years of building relationship capital, she said to them, she said to this man, you shouldn't smoke, it's gonna kill you. You know what he said to her? Thank you for saying that to me. No one's ever said anything. It shows that you care about me. How do we become all things to all people to win some of these families for Christ? One thing that is happening across Fairfield County is the arrival of new families. The Penza family is part of that arrival. Families are kicking down doors to live here. They are. We meet them driving around the neighborhoods looking for homes, kicking down doors to live in our neighborhoods, in your neighborhood. Yet, they're not kicking down the doors to our churches. How do we become all things to all people to win some of these families for Christ? What does it mean to accommodate change and flex to win them for Christ? Our elders over the past few months have been trying to answer this question. And here's where we landed. First, we begin by praying for them. We start with prayer. Second, we make winning them for Christ our vision as a church. When we start new ministries, we don't ask, will I like it? We don't ask, is this the way we've always done it? We ask, will this win families? Will this win people for Christ? And if so, let's go for it. Third, we reach out to them to bless their families knowing that they're probably not looking for a church or interested in attending our church. But we reach out to them to bless them anyways, in ways that might be appealing to them. So to that end, one thing we're going to be doing in the month of August is having Sunday school, having opportunities for our own families to return to the sanctuary to worship with us, something engaging and fun and faith-filled for their children. We're also, on Saturdays, going to be having, in the month of August, movie nights. Free family movie nights with popcorn and snow cones. Because who doesn't love being outside watching a movie as a family? On Sunday afternoons, we have blow-up castles and other water slides and those types of things. We're going to set those up for the families in our neighborhoods to come out and to enjoy them, simply to bless them, to introduce ourselves, and to give them maybe a first glance of what we're about as a church, to be a blessing to our community. Also, we're actively looking for our next full-time director of outreach and discipleship. We're looking to hire a part-time children's director and a contemporary worship leader. For all of these positions, please join us in prayer that we would get God's person and that we would be aware that they are God's choice to minister to our community. I mentioned that we are looking to hire a contemporary worship leader. For some of you, you might have just woken up. 
What are we doing? Are we having a contemporary worship service? We've been doing it this way for 163 years. What's the pastor doing? No! Our contemporary worship leader is not coming to play at our 10 a.m. traditional worship service. We already have a wonderful music director for our 10 a.m. traditional worship service. Amen? Amen? But our contemporary worship leader is coming to help us start a second worship service that is casual, contemporary, and family-oriented. For the people who perhaps would never feel comfortable coming to a traditional service, we're offering another variety of worship to win all people for Christ. That's what it's all about. That's the point. To win as many possible for Christ. And so I want you to pray about getting involved and to sign up to serve as we attempt to win as many as possible for Christ. And I know that I'm out of time, but I want to tell you this story. So I'm going to do it because I'm the pastor and I can. I think it's going to bless you and I think it's going to help you to figure out in your own walk with God, how do I win people for Christ? There was an elderly woman who never won anyone for Christ. This woman had been a Christian her entire life sat in the pews, came to church faithfully, and one thing bothered her. She said, my entire time being a Christian, I never won anyone for Christ. And she prayed, Lord, before I die, help me to win one person for Christ. The house across the street was for sale. It sold, and a new family moved in across the street. And this elderly woman jumped into action. On their moving day, she made a delicious pound cake. She brought it over to the family that had just moved in. And she said, I brought you this pound cake. Don't worry about returning the dish. I know you're busy moving. I'll pick it up later. After they had settled in, she came over and she brought them dinner. And she said, don't worry about cleaning up for dinner. You can have these dishes. Just enjoy the dinner. They enjoyed the dinner. After a few more weeks, she brought over a binder filled with a guide of all the best restaurants and doctors and places to see in town. This elderly woman, woman became fast friends with her new neighbors, with this family that had moved in. They knew that she loved them. And eventually she told them about the church that she loved. She asked them if they would be willing to go with her to church one Sunday. They weren't church people, but they said yes. They came to church one Sunday, and guess what? The following Sunday, they came back. After a few months of attending the church, the entire family was baptized and became members of the church. All because this woman was willing to go over and bless them and eventually invite them to church. The elderly woman who set out and prayed to win one person for Christ, won the entire family. First Presbyterian Church of Fairfield. We are free to do whatever we want. In our freedom, let's win as many as possible by all possible means to win some for Christ. May it be so in Jesus' name and all God's people say together, Amen. Amen.